So let me begin by reading this verse. It's in Ecclesiastes 3.11. And it says, He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. And he has also planted eternity in the human heart. A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find out or comprehend or grasp what God has done from beginning to the end. So let me pray before we start. Jesus, what can we say? We just want you more than anything over everything. God, let, let just that sense of your presence overwhelm us tonight. Speak to our hearts, God. Speak to my heart, God. I'm the first one that needs you. And we don't want to walk away from tonight the same. God, do something in us. Meet us where we're at. Give us hearts open to your word, ears that want to hear what you have to say. Use me, Lord. I surrender to you. It's all about you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I love that verse, and I was reading it over and over. Have you ever felt like that? Like there's a, something mysterious, a longing in your heart that nothing else seems to satisfy. Maybe it feels like an emptiness, or it feels like a loneliness, or it feels just like really like a void that you've tried with so many different things to satisfy, to quiet, but you can't. It just doesn't happen. And as I was praying for tonight, there was two words that just kept coming back to me over and over. And I think they'll come up behind me. And I know what they mean. And I'm sure you've heard them or seen them before. But I actually went to the dictionary because I just wanted to see how it was simply explained. And the first one is escapism. And it says, it's the tendency to seek distraction and relief from unpleasant realities. Especially by seeking entertainment on an, or engaging in fantasy. The second one is distracted or distraction. But to be distracted means that you are unable to concentrate because your mind is preoccupied. You're worried. You're, it's somewhere else so you can't concentrate on where you are or what you're doing. I don't know about you, but I feel like I go between the two of them. I'll be honest. Like, I go between escaping something or being so distracted or preoccupied. I go between feeling like I have so much to do, and if I don't do it, then who's going to do it? Who's going to do what I have to do? I can't stop, or maybe I won't stop. Or I go to the other side, and I binge watch Gilmore Girls <clears throat> while I cook. Or while I clean, because I just, I don't like it. So I'm putting something else in my mind to distract it and make myself believe that I'm in Stars Hollow with, you know, Lorelei and them, and I'm cooking with them or something, right? Let me just escape for a minute. I mean, I'm being honest, guys. But the thing is, if we are being honest, these distractions frequently tell us 
what we love, what we trust, and what we fear. We gravitate towards the desires that we crave. And we move away from the things that we fear or that we wish to avoid. Listen to what your familiar or habitual distractions are saying. In what are you seeking joy? In what are we seeking shelter? What are we trying to escape? What are we trying to avoid or to numb even? We need to listen to this because we can't correct what we choose to ignore in our lives. What are we trying to silence instead of coming to Jesus? The reality is that a lot of the time as humans, we live chasing dragons, if you will. The next high, the next thing that will make us feel something, whatever this thrill will be that will either give me something to feel or will make me forget what I have been feeling. And we waste, in a sense, our days and our time chasing these. We can't live out our purpose while we are living to satisfy our hearts with everything and anything other than him. If you're feeling this, you're not alone. People, women, have been doing this for centuries. And I want to look at two women specifically tonight. Have you guys ever heard of Martha? Yeah, you know where I'm going. She had a sister named Mary, but Martha went down in history for her busy and distracted self. She was busy and distracted. Can you imagine being remembered because you were busy and distracted? That's rough. But let's look. Let's look at Luke, Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, and it says this. Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you? that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? <sighs> Tell her to help me and do her part. She's brave, that one. Look at what, she, what Jesus says. I, just, I could just see it. The Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. <laughs> Can you just imagine though, like I want to give her some support because, because I mean, Jesus, and it was Jesus, but he was, he was a guy, right? So he shows up unannounced. Because they didn't have cell phones or anything. They just, you know, Martha lives here. Let's go. And he doesn't show up by himself. He either showed up with 12 other guys or 70. Can you imagine that? Because a little bit before, he was teaching 70 guys to do, like, all the disciple stuff. So we don't know. 
But we can imagine it was between 12 and 70 guys. I would be losing my mind. I'm just telling you that. You know? But he shows up, and she is welcoming. She brings them in. You know? She knows that she needs to prepare a good meal, that this is important because it's Jesus and because it's her name that is on the line. She can't not feed the army that he's brought with. She has to do it. She has to, you know, make food. And now remember, she probably doesn't have a refrigerator like you do. And she has to go get water, which she probably doesn't have in her house, not for 70 men. So she has to go to a well and carry it and bring it back. I would be mad too. You know, I am with her here. But she took it up. Maybe her house needed to be cleaned up. Maybe she was whipping up a whole menu. And what happens? She turns around, and what is Mary doing? Nothing. Mary is doing absolutely nothing. In her eyes, her sister is doing nothing. She's being lazy. She's sitting. And what does she do? The only thing that you can possibly do, go get some help, right? That's what she did. She comes, and she sees her sister, and she's not even trying to be subtle. Because, you know, if you're a mom, you know the subtle stare that you send your children to tell them to do something, but you don't want anybody else to know, so it's the eye. Maybe she was trying to do the eye for a while, and Mar Mary wasn't catching it, right? So she felt like she needed to take it a further step, and so she did. And she went straight to Jesus, interrupted his conversation probably, and she was feeling like she was right. So she tells him, excuse me. Can you please tell her to do something? Well, okay, Martha. Have her do something, God. I'm doing everything but by myself. But Jesus' response unveiled her heart. Martha, Martha. Maybe you can put your name in there. Paula, Paula. You're worried, and you're bothered, and you're anxious about everything, about so many things. He called it out. He said, Martha, you're not doing this out of love for me. It's your anxiety and your worry that's driving your busyness. Yes, there were things to do. That's, that's true. They had to eat. They had to be fed. They had to, you know, drink some water. But if Martha had asked herself in that moment, why am I doing this? Why am I so angry? Why am I so anxious or worried or frustrated? Could it maybe be a desire to impress Jesus? To have everyone know that she was the best hostess all around and that's why Jesus came to her house and not to somebody else's house? Maybe. But Mary, Mary just wanted to be with Jesus. She was just hanging on every word. I love how the Bible describes her. She's sitting at his feet, looking up at him, just like eating up everything that he says. She doesn't want to miss anything, not a word, nothing that he has to bring to her. She was looking forward to learning from him. She was taking it all in. And Jesus 
teaches her sister an important lesson here. He's saying, Martha, yes, it's true. There's so much to do. There's so many things to be done. But the one thing, there's only one thing tonight right here that is essential. And she's doing it. What she's getting by sitting at my feet, no one can take away from her. Maybe after serving so well, you might feel good about yourself and you might feel proud about caring for others or having a perfect home or keeping yourself busy with whatever. But all that goes away. But this is the only necessary thing. The only one that truly matters. Jesus was in her living room. Right there. Waiting to be with her. He didn't care about the meal. He could go 40 days without eating. I'm sure the other ones could too. He didn't care if her house was tidy or not. He didn't care about any of these things. He came to see her. He wanted to give her rest. He wanted to bless her. He had exactly what she needed at that point in time. And as John Piper puts it, Martha is preparing a feast for Jesus. But Mary is feasting on the words of Jesus. Both are good, but only one is indispensable. Only one. And I understand, maybe you're sitting there going, you have no idea. You have no idea what I have to do. You have no idea what my life looks like. I, I can relate. I have two children. I'm a wife. I'm a pastor's wife. I have a job to do and I know there's things you can't stop doing you gotta feed the children we have to keep them alive the husband I guess as well you know somebody has to clean the toilets every now and then things need to get done I do get it I understand I do and she did too and Jesus does too but sometimes my friends there's a busy that we create there's a busy that we bring about into our lives because it feels a void, because it makes us feel important or wanted or special or loved or in control. I understand. I'm preaching to the choir right here. I feel the struggle, but I also feel the struggle when I don't sit at his feet. And that's a worse struggle. The reality for us and for all of us, for anyone, is, is that we are too busy to sit at his feet. Then we are too busy. Something has to change, and it's not your time with Jesus. Something has to stop. You need to move something to the back burner, but it's not your time with him. Only one thing is indispensable, and it's not keeping people happy. It's not having a perfect home. It's not meeting everyone's standards of you or your own difficult standards that you set for yourself. Just like Jesus said to Martha, Mary has chosen the good part. What about you? What are you choosing? If everything stopped today, if you couldn't fill your life with things to be busy with, would Jesus still be enough for you? Or maybe, maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum. 
maybe you're thinking, Paula, I work incredibly hard all week long, and I deserve, I deserve to relax. I deserve to be entertained, to have fun. I deserve to YOLO because YOLO. You only live once, okay? And I have to live it because I'm in an island in the Caribbean, and how could I not? How could I not, dis, you know, devote every spare moment of my time to the pursuit of enjoyment and pleasure? How could I not? Maybe we feel empty inside or lonely or bored or frustrated. So we fill our lives with experiences, with entertainment, with people, with relationships, with adventures, with the thrill, whatever will give me something. But you know what? Entertainment overpromises, but it underdelivers. It is unable to satisfy what our hearts truly long for. You want rest, you want comfort, you want joy, you want peace. But entertainment can only offer a temporary fix. As soon as you wake up, from hours of binge watching a Netflix show, or from a jam-packed weekend, or from scrolling on social media, you probably even feel worse. And your problems are still there, still waiting to be com confronted. We're faced with the truth that after all we've done is put off the inevitable. None of it helps what's inside. There's another woman that had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And I truly love this story. But you know what I really love? That Jesus always went to them. He went to Martha's house. And he met these women in their homes, in their routines, at the well, doing the things that they were meant to do because they had to do them because they were women. And now we see this woman right here at a well. And it'll come up behind me, but if you have a Bible, you can follow in John 4. We're not going to read the whole thing because it's a lot. John from 4 to 42 says this. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let's pause here for just a second. Up until this point, this woman has no idea what's happening. She is so confused. She was going about her business and she runs into a man who isn't really supposed to be talking to her to begin with, but then he asks for water. He strikes up a conversation with her. But then he asks for water and then he says, but you should be asking me for water. So I'm thinking she's super confused. She's like, but you want water, but I'm giving you, what's happening, you know? So let's continue. Let's see what happens. 
She says, uh, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. She's still thinking that water. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Let's pause again. He has her attention now, but she's still thinking natural terms. She's thinking maybe he has some magical water that, you know, will resolve her issue, her time-consuming task of having to carry the jug, walk to the well, get the water every single day. And if we're honest, just like her, I think so many of us at the beginning have come to Jesus because we've heard of what he can offer us. We've heard of all the problems that he can fix. And we've heard of all the things that he could probably do for us so that we won't have to struggle here anymore. But Jesus was trying to offer her so much more than just a temporary fix. And now we can see Jesus is going to go straight for her heart. Verse 16 says this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. He knew that. He saw her. He knew her need. Jesus knew that she'd been looking, that she was desperately looking for something. Maybe she thought that the first husband was going to be the one to fix her loneliness and to complete her and to fill her void and to make her feel like she had a purpose in life. And out you go. Let's try with number two and three and four and five. And she was on her sixth one at the moment. She was desperately looking for something. She really wanted that thing that would make her stop looking for other things. But nothing was enough. So Jesus met her in her need. And he showed her, you're seeking. You keep coming back for more, but these things aren't working out for you. And just like this well, it will never be enough. But I am the water that you seek. I am the water that you need. And this finally started to open up her eyes. Verse 25, it says, The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Can you imagine that moment? 
I the one speaking to you? I am he. He revealed himself to her. I am he. I am the one that you have been hearing about. The one that you have been expecting. The one that you have been looking for. It's right here, right now, standing in front of you. And you know what? Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. He's right here. He's right here. Everything that you've been looking for, everything that you've been trying and seeking, everything that you've ever heard of that would make you feel better, it's nothing else but him. Whether you're Martha or the woman at the well, whether you're seeking to escape or to distract yourself, whether you feel like you're drowning in things to do or you're seeking a thrill, whether you are wherever you are, Jesus has come to find you. And he has come to offer us the one and only necessary thing, himself, the living water, the bread of life, the prince of peace, the joy everlasting, whatever is it that you need, he's got it. Whatever is it that you need, he is it. But will you come? What will you choose? Let's choose the good part. Let's make it our heart's desire to choose the good part. I know so many of us are tired. I know you're seeking. I know you're knocking. I know that some of us are hurting. And all you want is rest, peace. Maybe you don't even know what you want or what you need or what you're looking for. But it is him. And he has made an open invitation. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says this. I love this verse. Jesus speaking says, come to me. All who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. This is refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. This isn't about checking a box on Sundays, or maybe once a month when you come to flourish, or going through the motions of religion. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus doesn't say, come to church on Sunday. He doesn't say, join a community group. He doesn't say, you know, just do the necessary religious thing. That's not what he's saying. It's good, come to church. Yes, please, don't say that I said not to come. Come, come to church. Yes, we need fellowship and communion. We do. But Jesus is saying, what? Come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. You are tired. You are burdened. You are hurting. You don't know where to go. Come to me. I am life. I am water. I am whatever you are looking for. Nothing else will give you rest. Nothing else will give you peace. Nothing else will fill your soul and your heart like Jesus. We were created with a heart that will only be satisfied with him. 
And from that place of actually being with him, from that place of being at his feet, from getting from him what we need, then we can go on and fulfill our purpose. Then we can go and do what he has called us to do. I want to show you verse 28 of what we were reading before in John 4. The woman, after her encounter with Jesus, she leaves her jar and she goes back into her town and she tells people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? The woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. They believed because of her testimony. She didn't go to seminary. She didn't go to study the Bible for four years and then she came back. She met Jesus. Her life was changed. And then she turned around and she just told him, just come hear this man. He knows everything. I've been looking and he knew my entire life. Just come. Just come. You can do that. You can do that. You can live with purpose. But it all starts with him. It all starts with being with him. It all starts with that encounter. And it starts with us not letting go of that place with him. Stop running. Stop keeping busy. Stop seeking everywhere else. He's here to meet with you. He's come to your house. He's come to your well. Wherever you are, he wants to meet with you. There's purpose here. There's peace here. There's everything we've ever needed here. And maybe you've been a Christian for forever. Maybe you already know this. You've heard the story in your sleep. But like me, life gets busy. You get busy. Or we make ourselves busy. But maybe we need to ask ourselves the difficult question. What needs to move to the back so Jesus can become the forefront thing in my life? What do I need to give up? What do I need to stop so that I can sit at his feet? And maybe you're here for the very first time and you're like, what is this woman talking about? Wells and, you know, people and homes. What, what's happening? I'm convinced that you're not here by coincidence I am convinced that Jesus has come to meet you where you are so if you don't know him if all this is just foreign to you please don't leave tonight without talking to somebody there's many of us that would love to pray with you and talk with you and if you want this Jesus that we keep talking about please please talk to one of us we would love to pray with you we would love to answer your questions we would love to introduce you to the one that changed our lives. And all we can ever do and all we ever want to do is just say, go to him. He's the one. 
because he's the one. So I'm going to ask the ladies to come back up, and we're going to sing some more. But I just want to finish reading the verse that we started with one more time. And the verse that you should be carrying out with you when you go, it's in the little cards that we have for you. It says, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in his time. Maybe some of you are still looking for so many things. Trust him with that too. Because he has planted eternity in the human heart. A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except for God. And yet man cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. He's here for us. And as we go back into singing and as we just have this time, just meet with him there. Just let him speak to you. Come to him and tell him, Jesus, I'm busy. I'm tired. I don't have time. Help me. Prioritizing time with you isn't, isn't here because I have to survive. I have to work. I have to do the things. But Jesus, draw my heart to you. Every day that I wake up, let me not jump from this bed without at least speaking to you, at least filling my heart with you. Start small. Let him lead.